You have located Geekfest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Look outside. It's a world more peaceful since the revolution. I see nothing but chaos. We must restore the natural order of things. Don't you agree? Welcome once again to GeekFest Friends. My name is Carlos Perone, and today I have Steve Folks joining me as we continue with our review of the first season of The Mandalorian. We're reviewing basically the second half this time. Amazing show, completely unexpected the results, and this second half throws us a little bit into the good things and bad things, if you will, of the show. Uh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the issue of fan service, what constitutes fan service, and how this show tries to balance it out. So let's get started with our second part of The Mandalorian. Television, Television is not the truth. Television is an amusement park. Television is a circus, a carnival, a traveling troupe of acrobats, storytellers, dancers, singers, jugglers, sideshow freaks, lion tamers, and football players. We're in the boredom killing business. All right, we are back once again with Steve, where we are going to pick it up where we left off last time with The Mandalorian. Uh, last time we went for the first four episodes, we did about half a season, and today we're going to finish off the season. Wow, this is a show that, talk about a popular show as it develops and as it comes on and the, the reaction. Uh, now, some of the episodes we're going to talk about today are, I think, some of the episodes that if there are any group complaints, they happen around here uh, in yeah. terms of some people not being very happy about certain things that are done. So let's begin with chapter five, which is called The Gunslinger, which was directed by Dave Filoni. You know, he's, he's coming back once again from the, uh, from the earlier episode to direct another one. Uh, now, this one off the bat, and we had talked about this before uh, when it comes to storytelling in Star Wars, is fan service. You know, yeah. we are at Tatooine, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's not only are we in Tatooine, but we're at Mos Eisley. His ship gets damaged. He has a dogfight with another, I guess, another bounty hunter. And uh, because of the damage, he has to land to get his ship repaired. And it just happens that it's Tatooine where he's at. So 
I mean, it's there. It's all there. It's like it's it's right there in front of you. It's like you're watching one of the prequels or something. It's so there. He lands in Mos Eisley. Okay, he doesn't land in Dock and Bay 94. Okay, that's good. At least it's not 94. I was, I was waiting for it. <laughs> yeah. He lands on Docking Bay 35. I was looking at the thing on the wall. I'm like, that's a three, that's a five. And we are introduced to a new character who is, I guess, the mechanic or the person in charge of that Docking Bay, played by Amy Sedaris, who, to me, she looked familiar, but I had never seen any of her work before. She's a comedic actress, I believe, uh, a show called Strangers with Candy. Again, I'm not familiar with it, but I know it's somewhat popular. So that's why I kept thinking she must be a big deal because they're really like focusing on her quite a bit. Were you familiar with her? No, I wasn't. But I heard well, once the episode aired, I heard a, a bunch of people saying, no, I didn't know it was her. Yeah. So I, I was like, oh, she must be someone of importance. <laughs> so part of the, the, the issue that he has is that he needs to repair the ship, but he really doesn't have much money. So he leaves the ship. And the child yeah, at the docking and, Yoda. and the little baby Yoda. And she's kind of like, at first, she doesn't really care much. or She doesn't even know it's there because it's hiding inside. But then she gets very friendly with it. And there's some pit droids there. So it's like, ooh, uh, it's a callback to the prequels. It's like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. They're bringing the... the they're bringing those droids back. We haven't seen them in a while. Yeah, I was actually really happy. They, they I mean, uh, more, happier than I thought I would be to see prequel droids, to see the prequels. But yeah, I'm glad they brought them in. It, it was a nice little, again, I, yep. I, I hate fan service, I guess. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I mean, you know, you, you almost never see too much stuff going back to the prequels. Most of the time, it's yeah. the original trilogy. Yeah. People want the original trilogy. But yeah, that's good. You know, they, they give you a little bit, throw, throw some love, spread the love around. So he's walking through town and you get that shot that you originally we had originally seen in the uh, in the trailer of the uh, the stormtrooper helmets on spikes. Yeah, yeah, finally showed up in the sand and it's like, "Oh, okay, so I guess they're they're really not welcome in Tatooine as opposed to some other locations that are a little more welcoming." Uh, so that that was interesting and he goes to the cantina, our favorite cantina. Now, I have to find the name because I know that this this has been researched, and in one of the conventions that I went to a while back, an ongoing panel that they had was something having to do with the archaeological findings of the cantina, meaning, based on the footage that you see in Star Wars A New Hope, trying to decipher as much as possible how many creatures are there, how many people are there, what's in the walls, what <laughs> decorations are there, and apparently one of the things that you briefly see that they really, really show you on this episode is the name of the cantina itself above the door. I think the original one was very either blurry or shaded or something, but here it's boom, right there. Granted, it's not a language that you or I would understand, and I'm not sure if it's still called, what is it, Ch Ch Chalman's Can yeah. Cantina? I don't know if that's the name. But off the bat, he walks in there, and why don't you tell us how is it? How has it changed during the years? Oh well, I mean, it might be the cantina in name only because uh, it's it's pretty barren. I mean, poor Wu Her, uh, the bartender, is no longer employed here apparently. Nope. <laughs> and uh, and we see this is run. I think it's run by droids. Um, I think there's a droid behind him. Bar. Oh yeah, there's a lot of droids, yeah. and there's no, no there's no droid uh, machine uh, telling people rang, 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 rang. none of that. That's gone. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's pretty uh, desolate. I mean, it, compared, I mean, I, I desolate in terms of compared to when we first see the cantina in A New Hope, 
where it's mm-hmm. bustling. It's like this lively oh, yeah. atmosphere, and you know, you see all these new, weird creatures and faces. With this, there's literally one droid, and I, I want to say maybe there's three people, you know, in the in the shot itself. Yep. Including uh, the next person who Mando meets, which is a, a fellow mm-hmm. bounty hunter. Right, and his name is uh, Toro Calican. Who is kind of like a, you could say he's a somewhat of a Han Solo knockoff, a young. The poor man's uh, a poor man's also. Yeah, you know, he's he's a young guy who who wants to be a bounty hunter. He wants to make a name for himself. He does have one of those pucks for for somebody that's apparently being hunted, hunted yeah. but he needs help because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. So, one way or the other, he talks him into helping him out. He's gonna give him the money. If he just helps him get the person, this way he can just, you know, get the credit for getting the person. Yep. But he can have the money, this way he can, you know, he's going to fix his ship, blah, 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 whatever. Okay, fine. Sort of like a mutual, they both win sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's also like he wants a mentor. You know, he wants to learn from somebody who's really good at this. But, you know, it's it's a little shady. You don't really trust him too much. But he gives off this impression of being a, a young, impressionable dumb kid kind of thing you know like very innocent yeah very headstrong you know just in the in in the wrong business so they get two bikes like return of the jedi bikes bikes, bikes, and they go out into the desert looking for this person you know with the with the puck and they they have some really beautiful shots of scenic shots which again this brings me back to the um the first couple of episodes where you had all that westerny outdoorsy stuff well here even though it's tatooine it's just gorgeous how they shoot this. And again, the more I learn about this show, the more I'm amazed at the fact that all this stuff is done in studio, not on location. And it's like something that apparently they perfected during, I think it was Solo. And that is this wraparound kind of screen. Oh, the projections. With LED and LED projections yeah. where they can project anything. They can project a scene. Not only can they now project hyperspace so that the actors see hyperspace and the the lights from the hyperspace are flashing on their face but now they can project the entire background they can project mountains and skies and vistas it's it's just ridiculous you just it just blows you away but yeah they do have a lot of things you know in, in Tatooine that they're looking at they have a run in with some tuscan raiders <laughs> yeah where they <laughs> which, I, which I did like cuz it's like one one I, shot of like the there's like they're like they're, they're it's completely open land around them like the next scene is like they see tuscan raiders like right there next to them they're right he's like oh he's right behind you like, oh. <laughs> And uh, and they can't communicate. They don't speak the language, but Mandalorian can do like sign yeah, language. I, I thought it was really so, cool. I really liked this idea. You know what it is? Obviously, this is a it's a Western trope. It's the talking to the Indians, <laughs> you know, with the the, the either hand either symbols or or very basic language that they understand. You know, it's it's that scene. We've seen that scene before, and obviously they're adapting it. It felt a little corny to me for some reason. It felt like these are. Sand people, they should be like clobbering them. You know, they don't have time to talk to anybody. They just want to, you know, kick your butt and steal your stuff. <laughs> so it, it it kind of felt weird that they were just so willing to just talk. Uh, see, now, now I think you're I think you're racial stereotyping the crowds. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I think like it because because yeah, you're right in the fact that these guys are. We've only seen them either a attack you 
or B, steal your stuff and then attack you probably later. <laughs> but but I, I just thought it was, it was it was pretty it was different where it gave you sort of this okay you, these they can be bartered with and it, it wasn't just them talking you no know, because obviously I wouldn't work so the, the idea that he was clever enough to use you know sign language was was uh, more of a character building thing for Mando than anything else. So at some point they go so far into the desert that they actually see in the out there a dewback dragging a body. And they think, well, maybe is the body the 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 because the you know the puck is still aiming in that direction, and when they approach the the body, it's not the person they're looking for; it's someone else. And then they start to take fire from from even farther away from a from a higher location. And I don't know if this is the first time, but this is at least the first time that it is confirmed that the Mandalorian can take blaster shots, you know, into his armor. You know, not necessarily without any problem, but it doesn't kill him and it doesn't penetrate. That armor, that special armor that he has is specially made for that. Yeah, I think. the Beskar. Yeah, that's what I think you were going on about, how the Beskar armor was so thick. I mean, he, he gets – throughout this episode, he gets shot really you know, dull. Heck, like he, <laughs> a he, number he takes, of like, times. He takes like a beating and uh, yeah, the, the armor, you know – it, it, it definitely protects him because he's still he's still standing and you know taking it right point blank basically. Yep. So he kind of devises a plan where they're gonna rush the sniper at night, but the way they're gonna do it is they're gonna send you know they're gonna both drive, ride the motorcycles the the bikes and let these flares go that will blind the sniper at night so that gives him enough time to get there. So that kind of sort of works even though he does get hit at one point. So Callaghan gets there first, I think, and starts fighting with the sniper. And then right as the sniper gets the upper hand on him, the Mandalorian arrives and kind of saves him from getting his butt kicked or yeah, killed. Yeah, killed him. So they take the sniper under arrest or they tie her up. And it tie her up, meaning they take the helmet off and we find out it's Ming Da Wen from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., she plays Phoenix Sean, I think, or something. Yeah, Phoenix Sean, something like that. Which it's like, wow, oh, wow, this is a known actress, you know, that making it. In, a lot of known people make it into the show. It's really funny how they uh, they sneak them in. They're not old brand. The 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 guy who plays Toro, I don't. He didn't look familiar to me. Did he look familiar? Uh, no, to he you? did. I mean, he, actually, I'll say this. He he actually looks familiar, but I I, I it must be something very small or something because he looks familiar you know who he reminded me of he reminded me of i think his name is is it peter gallagher the guy from gremlins who was the young oh, guy yeah 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 he wouldn't be yeah, nothing yeah. like he's like in his 60s yeah, yeah. by now <laughs> uh yeah but he's again i, I he, he looked kind of familiar i just can't place him i'm sure he's probably like a disney superstar could be, or something could be, yeah everybody's a disney yeah. star so at one point they they kind of throw a, a while well, they have her wearing cuffs one person tells the other like she's no good to us mm-hmm. dead and that's a takeoff you know on the he's not good to me dead or something like that from line. empire it was a, it was a lifted line more or less so it was like okay i get it that's nice so I think it is what they only have one bike working because the other one got blown up. So the Mandalorian agrees to I'm going to go get the do back and, you know, wait for me with her here and then we'll take her back. But while he's away, you know, she starts talking to him about, hey, I got a better idea. Why don't you do this and do that? And why don't you take the child or the asset or whatever the hell it is and you can have it all. And he's like thinking it over and he's like, yeah, it's not a bad idea. So he just outright shoots her like cold blooded shoots her. 
and you're like, whoa, where did that come yeah, from? Yeah, this is one of those moments where I was like, because was, as this is playing out, I was like, okay, I see what's going to happen. She's going to convince him to turn on Mando. And it's going to be this cliche. Like, she's going to yeah, kill and, him, yeah. But no, the fact that he bl- he blows her away. So, you know, up front, I was like, wow, okay, Disney. <laughs> you know, okay. Well, they, they, they switched the character. The character went from being this innocent, most likely to die in the next 10 minutes type of character to the... The, the more or less the central bad guy of yeah, this episode so um she he leaves her there and then he drives back to the 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 docking bay and he's and by the time the mandalorian gets there you know he examines her and he just says all right screw it and he goes back to the docking bay and he's waiting for him holding hostage the child uh, the mechanic you know the pit droids <laughs> everybody's being held hostage and um through some diversion, uh, the Mandalorian is able to shoot him, just shoot him dead. And that's the end of it, pretty much. One quick little line that gets used there, I think the pit droids kind of want to know what to do with the body. And she says, ah, just drag it to Beggar's Canyon. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, Beggar's Canyon. Okay, I get that. I know what that is. So that was another cute little uh, callback. But the biggest mystery of this episode is what happens next why don't you explain to us what happens next well uh at the end you know because obviously in star wars there's no such thing as dead means dead so, so and this is what occurred to me when i first saw this scene i was like okay maybe she the sniper that they killed uh, yeah. I, I assumed that they were gonna you know immediately have her get up or something or you know you see you see like her move or something but Interestingly enough, she still is dead. So, but yeah. but uh, well, we hear someone approaching her body, mm-hmm. and we hear these spurs on the ground, and like these like yeah, very like a jingling, yeah, like, like ching, 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 you know, if you ching, have like ching. spurs in your boots or keys or something. Uh-huh. And we see these boots approach, and we just see her body. The camera's focused on her body, so we only see like from the ground level, and we see like, the boots approach. And and I think we also see very briefly some kind of a a cape or a coat. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Something ha- like cloth yeah, yeah. hanging definitely, behind. Definitely so I'm like, you know, you know what we're all thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what everybody's well, yeah, thinking. Yeah, when it first happens, to me, I honestly didn't feel. Everyone felt it was going to be. It was like Boba Fett or something. I didn't get that feeling. It looked. It, it didn't just the stance and the the walk he had. It didn't really come off as Boba Fett for me. It came off as more of like like someone of important. Not that Boba's not important, but it felt like it was someone from importance. Wow. It's like a, Talk about fan yeah. service if they threw both, if eventually it ends up being Boba Fett. Now, here's the thing. I, I think somebody even looked it up. In Empire Strikes Back, I think it's the scene where Vader surprises the our heroes at the uh, at Cloud City at the dining room table. And he's like, well, I'll, be happy, I'll be happy if you join us or whatever. And Boba Fett takes a step from the left to the right, right behind Vader. And you hear the jingling. Right as he steps so i think that's the connection a lot of fans are making it's like oh my god it's the jingling <laughs> yeah I, I i i i really hope it's not on one hand I, I, <laughs> I mean i like boba fett he's cool and all but i just feel like just throwing him in here would be sort of i don't know it would take away from mandalorian himself for me but and i i, I didn't even get that feel to be honest that 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 was going to be boba fett but um it it, it, it didn't it was, a, it was a good episode it was a lot of fan service packed in i think for dave filoni for him you know, breaking in from animation to now live action. I think he's done a pretty. I think he's done a pretty good job. I think it was all right. I didn't. It's not my favorite episode. Yeah. And to me, I'm more invested in the. I guess what you can call the what in this show becomes the mythology of the show, which is the child. The child 
that original planet where everything started. Whenever they kind of go off-world, I lose a little interest. I want to know more about the Empire. I want to know more about what this child does, what he is. You know, when we take these side trips, I'm like, okay, uh, all right, I'll go to the side trip. You know, I, I understand. We have to make some side trips, but... You know, I like the the mythology of the show. It's like when I used to watch Lost, it's like I was more into the the science than the relationships, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? So to me, this this is how the show, uh, you know, works best is when they give us more of that original story. Yeah, and I, I, like you said, I'm, I'm okay with them doing sort of the episodes where they're sort of like one-off adventure really type of episodes. But in this space of like from episode four to I want to say seven, there's a lot of mm-hmm. these, like all the all those episodes are basically one-off adventures, so sort of like sidetracks. Yeah. And I think if they would have spaced it, they would have gone maybe back and forth between them. I think it would have landed a bit better. But we got like three episodes in a row, of just sort of random stories with no real connection to what you were talking about. So yeah, it, it sort of yep. sort of slowed down a bit. But I, I like the stories that they were telling. I just wish that they would have spaced them out a bit. Well, the next episode, which is chapter seven, it's called The Prisoner. And it's directed by, let's see, because I know they keep repeating directors. This one is Rick uh, Fumuyawa. I, I know I'm not saying it right. I'm, there's no way I'm ever going to say it right. It's impossible. It's very difficult for me. And this is, a again, a weird, different kind of episode. It's a heist episode. It's basically a yes. heist episode. Not really related to anything specific. He is hired uh, to do a job. And he returns to this kind of space station where he meets up with some old associates if you will uh, and they're gonna they're gonna do a heist they're gonna steal something they're gonna get something they're gonna grab somebody the main actor off the bat and again they like to use to me what's known actors his name is mark boone jr he has played every like biker guy member uh gang member ever for the last like 30 years every single show that ever had a biker gang member this guy's in it. Yeah, well, I mean, when you look at him and you look where, where he's where he's running, yeah, he, this is this oh, yeah. is like the bike, the Hell's Angels, I guess, or biker gang of, exactly. of, of Star it's Wars. It's like a sort of outpost, he's, gritty. Yeah, he's a he's a, he's an actor that uh, you know when they say get me the gang member, that's that's his job. That's that's what he does. But you also had a so it's basically assembling a a group of rough individuals uh, some of them know each other some of them don't to perform this this heist uh, you also have a couple of other known actors or or personalities one is bill burr who's a comedian yeah. i mean i wasn't too familiar with him as an actor but i i have heard of him as a comedian before so that's an okay that's interesting natalia uh, tina or tira uh, she looked very familiar to me. I'm like, this. She plays a Twilik, but she's like a psychopathic Twilik. Yeah, she, she has knives. She likes to throw yeah. knives or something. I'm like, she looks very. And then I found out she was in the Harry Potter, in one of the Harry Potter films. Oh, okay. She played like one of these crazy bad guys in Harry Potter. It's like every movie. <laughs> I know, right? And more known to not only Star Wars fans, but, you know, genre fans, uh, Clancy Brown. Yeah. Clancy Brown plays this horn, big red horn kind of creature. I don't know if it's related to the one from the cantina. Yeah, that yeah. Evil... He's, he's, a, he's a, Deber- is it... a Deveronian, I think is na- okay, the name. Okay, so or, that's, or, that yeah, I think must it be it. Yeah, it yeah, no, no, it's definitely the same species. You know, he's been in Clone Wars, I think. He's 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 been a voice actor before. Um... Uh, he's done a lot of stuff, even in Star Wars. Like I said, I think he might have played Krell 
General Krell, I think it was. I don't remember for sure, but I know. But I, I remember that that he has been through Star Wars a couple of times in the animated shows, and you know he's he's always going to be the guy from Highland, you know, the Highlander. Yeah, he's the bad guy. Yeah. He's always going to be that guy, and he plays like <laughs> even a after thug. all these years. I don't think he's ever going to. Uh... I kept I kept listening to see if there are any. Uh, lines uh, that that they would kind of throw them in the Highlander realm, but I don't think so. I couldn't pick them out. But he's this thug. He's the muscle of the group, basically. But the gang also has a robot, a droid. That's their mission. Their mission is to go in there and to retrieve apparently a prisoner because it's a prison ship that they're they're hijacking, a Republic prison ship. So there's a lot of stuff. In this episode of them getting in there, of sneaking in, of fighting with some droids, at one point they actually find an actual person who's guarding that apparently there weren't supposed to be any any uh, humans or beings, but there's somebody in there. Yeah, just to give the background here, so this is like a new republic, you know, prisoner ship. So right. it's, it's supposed to be all automated, and I guess they figured that it would be completely remote with no actual human there but there is one guy just there is I guess, one sort of, guy i guess it's still like on cruise control so i guess they have to have like one guy to just to make sure that <laughs> you know that nothing you know nothing goes wrong just a pilot not the uh not the luckiest guy around because he ends up getting killed pretty yeah and obviously uh, i'm sure everybody uh, realizes that's mad lantern who played anakin in the clone wars it's yeah. like okay i'm like oh I'm the, and again to me it's like because i know this stuff so much you know, when I see something like that, it kind of brings me out of the show. It's like, oh, there's Red Lantern, oh, there's Red Lantern. It's like, it's like, oh shit, I'm not in the show anymore. I'm now, I'm well, now, I'm just geeking out. Well, what's funny is he caught that, but everyone was complaining about the fact that Bill Burr was, you know, the the I guess side character as well, and yeah. that got them out. I also didn't know who Bill Burr was, so to me, it was okay. Yeah, it's just this really cool yeah. ball, ball guy. It, it didn't bother me because, I'm, like I said, yeah, I'm not familiar with his work. That I, I mean, I know he's a comic, but I'm I don't really I haven't really watched any of his stand up or anything. But I did know the name, so he didn't bother me at all. You know, they had a pretty cool thing where he had like this this third arm mechanical arm yeah. holding a gun so while he's shooting two guns there's a third gun shooting yeah, two I thought, I thought uh, you know whatever that's a little weird I thought it was a little cheesy but it, it's it different right. I, i've never seen that before so that's all right now what's weird about this episode and i kept noticing it and i don't know why it kept bothering me i think there was a problem with the editing of the show of the episode the scenes to me seem to linger too long where they could have cut to something, they would stay on it. And then it would be silence. And then they would move on to the next thing. I think there was a pacing problem with the episode. Where things didn't move fast enough. Hmm. So it, it, it gave me this weird feeling of, let's get on with it. Let's go. Let's go. And then when they finally reach the, the, the guy they were, they're there to rescue, it's like, it didn't really mean much to me. It's like, so what? So who is this? This is this the brother of the, the, the crazy girl. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, uh, I don't know. It just, I, I, I felt like there was no payoff or no, no twist to finding this guy. I'll say this. That didn't bother me as much. But what did bother me was at the end of this episode when they sort of all sort of decide to, to betray Man, you know, Mandalorian and they throw him in the, they, they, they yep. lock him up. And then he breaks out and he has to go on this like hunting spree. Which yeah. was really cool. I love that. That was a really great scene of yeah, him, like that was of him hunting too. down one by one. But but this, where the editing comes into play for me, is where 
he as he's going as he's hunting them down one by one it keeps cutting it, it keeps show it keeps like giving like these fake out deaths that he's that he's killing them and then it edits you no know, it, it, it do the thing where like like it'll do like a scene of him like about to kill one of the guys yeah. and then it edits yeah. i mean it cuts like another scene so it makes it look like that, okay that he must have killed that guy you know okay but right. then then at the end like, these guys are all still alive <laughs> so i'm like well, well that's the thing it's it's almost like uh, when i used to watch the a team where nobody dies yeah 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 everybody, oh, no, he just everybody shooting out. every machine gun conceivable to man nobody gets yeah, hit no. it's like it's like gi joe we're not allowed to kill anyone <laughs> And it's like, but well, this show is allowed to kill oh, yeah, people. This, this show episode. has killed a lot of yeah. people already. Yeah. Why would you not want to yeah, go get your extra... hands dirty? Yeah, and... I guess they wanted to like keep these guys around so to bring them back, so they give them some extra enemies uh, later on. But like, you don't really need right. to. I mean, you have enough. He, he, uh, or at like... least kill one or two of them, so it's a little more realistic. That yeah, yeah. Every some of them put up a fight, bigger fight than others, and I mean, I think they got rid of the droid. The droid gets well. Yeah, yeah. I think, killed, yeah, I think, but... yeah, I think he does but it really and, and, doesn't matter much yeah and, and at the end to, to be fair at the very end they sort of had like this device where if they press a button it would basically radio in new republic ships to yeah. come in and nuke yeah. out and nuke whatever is uh it's sort of like a, a like a dead man switch basically right and they were supposed to have hidden it in his ship yeah right and and they, they, they hit it in um what's the actor you were talking about before uh who, who, who plays every biker the, the biker guy yeah yeah <laughs> mando sort of puts the switch on it and, and puts it onto his ship and yeah. and it, it goes off and they see the x-wings come in and they blow them up so at least you know okay they are not afraid to take chances they, they killed off that you know that guy but yeah, I, I wish they would have sort of followed through on on killing but off. But you're forgetting the most important part. Well, you're forgetting two things. They don't want to kill people. Okay, fine. But these X-Wings that come and they start shooting up that base, wouldn't that, that base be full of other kind of people that are like non-essential workers that yeah, are like... Guys. It's yeah. like, holy crap, they just blew up a, a, a space station more or less. And it's like... It wasn't just two bad guys sitting there laughing it up. They were yeah. like mechanics yeah, so, and all. It's well, like, whoa. Well, I mean, we can assume, I guess, that these guys are all part of some sort of like gang where they're probably uh. not the most nicest people <laughs> around. But I mean, to send them to death, I guess, it is a bit harsh. <laughs> but bringing us back to that whole thing about bringing me out of the episode. And again, you have to be a Star Wars nerd oh, uh, to at least... To at least, squadron. I mean, it's Filoni uh, flying, uh, and it's the other two directors. It's yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's the guy who directed this episode, and I think Deborah Chow is Deborah the Chow, other yeah, one. Yeah. So I, it's like, now granted, the, the last two I wouldn't recognize because I'm not familiar with them. Oh, no, but Dave Filoni, Dave it's Dave like Filoni's Lucas. Very you know? easy to, to and notice. it's like, okay, there we go. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I will say this: I actually like this. It, it was so commander fan, so on the commander nose. fan service to the yeah, rescue. Yeah. It was so it was so on the nose and like so in your face. I was like, that's that's, that's kind of nice. Yeah. No, I mean, they could have they could have gave him a beard or they could have put some. <laughs> well, they could have turned he, him he, into he, an he, alien. He did have like a like, like the visor like the visor down. They should have put him in alien makeup. So <laughs> it, it's him, but you don't recognize. It's like again, it, I just felt it was again between this and the last episode. I kind of saw the whole show kind of slow down a little bit. Like it's like okay. Can we get back to the other thing? <laughs> I want to go to the other thing. Yeah, but, and, and uh, these are good stories on their own, but I think again, just putting them all linked together, like one, you know, one after the other, it, it just it got a bit repetitive, and like because everyone, yeah, is wondering, okay, well, 
you introduce Baby Yoda to us, this big, you know, you know, a story beat here, but mm-hmm. then we don't really go back to it for, you know, like four, three episodes or four episodes in a row. So, yeah, I know I get what you're saying. Well, we next move on to episode seven, that even though they're not listed as part one and part two, this is a two-parter, yeah. more or less, yeah. because this is what ends the season. Episode seven, called The Reckoning, directed by Deborah Chow. And this is basically... The Mandalorian gets a message from Carl Weathers saying, you know, there's a way that we can fix this. You know, the Empire is getting a little out of control now. They're doing all kinds of things. They're taking their business away, blah, 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 whatever. Why don't we bring the asset and we can jump, you know, we can twist, uh, we can flip the script on the Empire and kill them instead of... You know, this way you can, they can stop hunting you down because all they're doing is hunting everywhere you go. They just keep showing up. Yeah. You th- Somebody's always after you. Yeah. You, you think he would have known that, by the way. Like, you, like he, he is a bounty hunter himself. So you think, you think he would have known that, yeah, they're not, they can just keep tracking you, you know. And I think by this point, they kind of figured out that, and I don't know if they addressed this, but it's not like there's a hidden device in their clothes or something. I think it's the asset. The asset yeah. has some DNA genetic thing that they can just track yep. it. They know where he goes, and that's that's the bottom line. So he kind of goes for it. He's like, "All right, let's let's do this. Let's get them before they get us, and 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 let's let's work it out." So, but before doing that, he goes and uh, hires Dunn uh, from the previous episode to kind of help him out on this mission to try to get everything back. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He goes back to the uh, the planet where she was left. Where she, you know, stayed behind at and uh, recruits her. Now, in this episode, is the first time I actually noticed when they actually show you a close up of her face that I thought she had like uh, like a beauty mark or something. Oh, and it's it's a rebel tattoo yeah, a rebel that she has. I was like, oh, that's that's yeah. interesting. I, I never noticed that. Before. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. I like well, that. another thing that happens is that he goes to the other planet where Quill is. Because he wants his help too in this in this particular mission, and he finds out at that point that the IG Eleven droid that he had killed now is working for Quill because he's helping him out with stuff like a like a servant droid, I guess. Yeah, you know, he literally is a, a nurse no, droid. Well, he, be, <laughs> he becomes a nurse droid. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. But he's like, you know, he still has that thing about not trusting droids. He's not happy with it and he doesn't trust them still and that kind of thing. There's an interesting scene where the Mandalorian is arm wrestling with Dunn. And for whatever reason, the baby Yoda kind of sees it as if she's hurting him, I guess. He's attacking him. She doesn't understand that they're playing a game. And he starts to kind of like choke her or something and... Everybody kind of freaks out. It's like, no, 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 relax. This isn't what he's supposed to do. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, okay. So he doesn't understand that. It, it sort of goes to the point where he, the ba- baby Yoda here is is he's obviously acting very instinctually. Right. So he's not like thinking about this, and it, 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 it sort of proves the point where he can, like, I guess the force sort of, I guess, flows through him. I guess more out of instinct rather than just maybe conscious choice because right like he has no training he's just yeah yeah he just does he's out of protection yeah yeah now the other thing here is that when they meet up with Carl Weathers Carl Weathers also has some and his name is Navarro right uh Navarro yeah Navarro uh he has other kind of bounty hunters that he hired to kind of help and in one of these it was like a night scene or something where they're camping out planning their their moves or whatever, and they're all of a sudden they're attacked by these flying wing creatures. Yeah, and it's... Navarro is hurt. They, 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 they kind of choose his leg or something, and it looks like he's like really like he could be dying like 
how hurt his leg is. And that's when we get the uh, baby Yoda performing his little magic that he tried to do, I think, on the first episode or the second episode. But the Mandalorian wouldn't let him. And here he kind of touches his leg and heals it, which, again, this was the... The, the the link to the rise of Skywalker. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the reason that we got. Just, this episode debuted the week before Skywalker yeah, came out. Exactly, exactly. So we got something. You know, we got yet another thing that we've never seen before that the the, the asset gets to do. We do see in this episode some biker scouts, which we hadn't seen before in this show. Oh yes. And the, was... What's interesting is that. Because they're in this dusty, dirty planet, it's like a sand trooper, but it's like a sand biker scout because they all—they're all, all kind of dirty. But what's also interesting is that the bikes are white; they're not the the Return of the Jedi black or gray bikes. They're actually light-colored bikes, which is like, oh, that looks a little interesting. It looks different than riding a white-colored bike. There's a scene where they get cornered. I think it is. Yes. They get cornered, you know, they, they go to make the exchange, you know, Carl Weather brings him in as if he's uh, his prisoner yep. to meet uh, uh, Herzog, Herzog's Warner Herzog's character. And he's like, yeah, okay, great. Let's do this. Let's do that. And as they're kind of preparing uh, to exchange whatever, the place gets completely shot up from the outside. Somebody showed up and started shooting him up and they, they killed just about every stormtrooper in there. Herzog gets killed. Every just to, except for the good guys, everybody shot up, and now they're stuck in this in this house, more or less, completely surrounded. Shock troopers, death troopers, the storm troop, you name it, they they're there. This scene reminds me of uh, Saving Private Ryan <laughs> in the in the that little like bar thing is a standoff, and then all of a sudden the the allies come with all like the guns and just shooting shooting everyone oh, up. Yeah, and and part of the thing that's that's happening is that. I think at some point, the Mandalorian told Quill, you know, if things go bad, just get the asset out of here. Just get him out of here. Get on my ship and just right away. So somehow, I forget exactly how, I don't know if they communicate through through a, through a communication device or something. He takes off in one of those, uh, one of those weird giant frog things that yeah, they're riding. Yeah, I forgot the name and of them. <laughs> and he's riding away and uh, two biker scouts start going after him. So... The way that they cut, they intercut the scene is this battle that's taking place and then Quill trying to get away from the Biker Scouts. So at this point, we're introduced to another new character, uh, another new bad guy, and that is Moff Gideon, played by uh, Giancarlo Esposito. He's been on every everything, every single movie you can probably think of. From the 90s all the way television, Breaking Bad, you name it. He's like, he plays such good bad guys. It's ridiculous. It's funny. This is the first time I've heard of him. I never heard, I never encountered really? him. I never encountered oh him before. Oh my God. I think the first time I saw him might have been on, it might have been on Do the Right Thing. Oh, yeah. I knew. He's been in a lot of Spike Lee films mm. and a lot of, he's, again, he's he just works nonstop. It's incredible. The guy just works nonstop. Um, and, and and again, one of his biggest, craziest bad guy roles was in Breaking Bad. But he is this this guy that all of a sudden he's flying a, a TIE fighter and the TIE fighter parks in front of the this house that's getting yeah, shot up. It was dramatic. And then the and then I know, and then like this is a now again, this isn't fan service. This is holy crap moment. This is exactly what I think, you know, we want. 
the wings all of a sudden bend. They go from the flat to like a V-shaped bending. This way they don't hit the ground as the TIE fighter lands and landing gear comes out of the bottom. Yeah. As the wings continue to fold, thereby not touching the ground. And it, you know, like the wings like, fold horizontally so it can like clear the ground. Because yeah. Whenever we see this, whenever we see TIE fighters in atmosphere, they always have to like awkwardly land on their wings. I think you see, you see it in Star Wars well, Rebels. In Rebels, it, it, it like sort of yeah. The, the wings, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It seems like it would do, do more damage. In animated shows, they've, they've, they've done that. They've yep. done the landing on the wings thing. Obviously, in space, they do a lot of the attached to something yeah, from the when top. It's, yeah, like when it's almost our story, yeah. Like, yeah, all kinds of ways. Because on, on, on a movie, they've never shown uh, uh, any manner of, of them being able to to get close to the ground, even in the, in the new uh, sequels, they're they're attached to the to the wall. You yep. know, they kind of on a rotating kind of thing. What's interesting, and I just found this out like a day ago. I don't know if it was the Visual Dictionary again. Once again, the Visual Dictionary. Oh, the, the Almighty, the Almighty Visual the Dictionary. Oh God, that Visual Dictionary. <laughs> there's a there's a picture in the back. I think it was the Visual. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it was. Well, it doesn't matter. There's a, a Doug Chang painting, concept art, that he did for The Force Awakens. And it shows a TIE fighter landing with the folded wings with the landing gear. So it's like, that's where they got that it That might from. have been. That, that, I don't think that was a good dish. I think that was, it might have been one of the art of books. Do you have? It's Yeah, I think it's the art of, uh, of The Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah. Because they credit The Force Awakens for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I remember seeing that as well, now that you mentioned it. But yeah, I don't think that was the visual dictionary, though. And I think the way, again, I'm not entirely sure, but I think we're not led to believe that all TIE fighters do that, and they've always been able to do that. I think this is just for him because oh, yeah. he's a special guy. Yeah, and, and Star Wars is always known for that, for giving their bad guys like a special vehicle. Like, something yeah, cool. Yeah, something cool to stand out. Yeah. And, and like, for example, the Death Troopers show up. It's like, okay, well, you know, when the Death Troopers showed up during Rogue One, everybody's like, well, where the hell were these Death Troopers yeah. when, when these other movies were? Oh, they were so special only yeah, for that the guy. Well, forces. Okay, that kind of makes a little sense. All right, this guy is so special that he also gets Death Troopers. Okay, that's interesting. But another moment that, again, to me, is not fan service, but it's perfect. You see an Imperial Troop transport oh. drive up. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe that's my toy. I have the toy right there. There's the toy. There's if you the don't think one, that's fan service, the there might be, we might have some. There's one moment. Uh, there's one moment later on that relates to that. I think. I think it's in this episode with the cannon. Well, the reason I don't think it's fan service is because your average modern Star Wars viewer. Is not gonna give a crap or know what the hell that is. Well, yeah, but it's fan service too. as it, opposed like, to a like, land speeder. It's like it's like, it's like it's like it's like hyper focused fan service on like, <laughs> like, like extra fan service for like just really. <laughs> yeah, that was like the way. And 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 that was something that again, that's a felony thing because he did it. I think it was Rebels. It might have been Rebels where he brought the Imperial Troop transport yeah. for the first time in a, in an animated. All of a sudden, this toy that was basically EU, yeah. it was only made to make. It was made to make money. Yep. It was a way of creating EU toys. Now is can not only is it canon animated, it's canon for real now, as far as I'm concerned. And as the show is ending. Uh, we kind of see that the biker scouts are catching up and all of a sudden you see Quill on the floor and I think you see the biker scout grabs the Yoda, the baby Yoda and drives yeah, away, he's, he's, which is like, he's, oh he's my God, what just up. happened? 
talk about again talk about not being afraid of getting rid of a character at this point we're kind of thinking is he dead is he just passed yeah, out I, but i'm like I, I really didn't I, think I, so it didn't look too good i really didn't think he was dead like, it just seemed like they've you know they did the whole lingering on his body shot so yeah i felt like at the end of the episode we were gonna see something like we saw previously with with ming chao wang saying you know you're gonna see some sort of sort of, sort of like you know some yeah some kind yeah, of hook yeah. that it's like well this brings us to chapter eight which is the final episode of the season and the the, the season finale directed by taika watiti <laughs> our favorite uh, ig uh voice person uh, not only is he voicing IG-11 in this one, but he's directing the uh, the episode. Funny thing, as as we speak, there's rumblings of uh, the possibility that they might have offered him a Star Wars film. Right now, it's just a rumor. Who knows which way it goes? Wouldn't surprise me one bit. It would surprise me. I, I actually would welcome it, actually. Yeah. So, again, this is a, a direct a continuation. This is really part two. It's called Redemption, the name of the episode. And in this episode, we... <laughs> Oh, man. You definitely see the influence of this particular director because the beginning of the episode is basically the, the two scout troopers taking a break on their bikes with the bag with the baby Yoda and then just kind of like talking. It, it almost sounds like a Tarantino film. They're just kind of yeah, talking crap. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I can imagine these two guys in a diner. It's not like some diner shot yeah. Tarantino just, just <laughs> back and forth with each other. And they're even doing practice target shooting and they're missing like a typical stormtrooper. They both cannot hit anything 10 feet away from them. And one of them wants to see the baby. The other one's like, no, I already saw him. You don't want to see that. Yeah, come on, let me see it. You know, they're, they're doing that back and forth. And then... At one point, one of them gets angry and like punches the baby Yoda Twice. in the head a couple times, yeah. and and everybody like we were watching and we were like, "What the hell did you do? You yeah. can't do that!" It was like the two and, most hated stormtroopers now. Oh my god! And yeah, that that was unexpectedly cruel. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was cruel. But I, a lot of people don't like this scene. I mean, they think it's too much, but I loved it. Man. I, well, I, I, I thought it was so. It, the, it, it, the, it was still Taika yeah. Waititi. Like it was, it, it yes. was his humor directly inserted into a Star Wars show, and I liked that. I, I didn't think it was too much. Like it, it, it did treaded the line between maybe being a bit too, you know, yeah. silly. I think it stayed within his bounds, and it was pretty funny. Well, I think the reason it works is because all of a sudden the IG-11 unit comes by and completely beats the crap yeah. out of them. Yeah, he breaks one guy's takes, hand and like... Oh my God. And it's and again, that's why I said earlier, it's it's a kind of like a Tarantino scene where you have this ridiculous humor that yeah. doesn't seem to fit this movie and then you have this horrendous violence yeah, that right kind of... Yeah, right next to you. It, it kind of levels things back. It balances it out again yeah. in, a, in a bizarre way. And now luckily, you know, when you don't see like the, I, I was afraid that the baby Yoda was going to have like, like a black eye or a, or a bloody nose or something. But no, it's like, you know, it was kind of like, it, it looked like he was punching a puppet. Yeah, so yeah. that's what it is. You know, it's, you know, so you don't feel that bad. But yeah, that was, that was really uh, unusual. So one of the things we learn as 
uh, Moff Gideon is trying to talk them out of leaving. Well, you have two hours or you have five hours or whatever. I don't know how long he's giving them to get the hell out of there to come out with their hands up. You know, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, let me just say something. It's, this scene was like bothered me the most. Like for two reasons. Like he, he, was, he, he, was, he was giving this big speech like, hey, you guys must surrender now, but I will give you two hours well, to do the, so. It's the, bo- it's the Bond villain. Yeah, but Mr. Bond, I give you 30 minutes yeah, to get out of that. But I'm going to just stand here this entire time and <laughs> why not just go? Like, you're, you're, you're clearly outnumbering them. So why not just go in there? I'm not going to give them. a speech about how much yeah. I hate you. And, and the other thing is, like, you're talking about fan service. Like, he was on about like, you know, the whole e-web cannon. Like, he said, yes, you will now fall victim to my e-web cannon. You know, and, like, it's, it's, it's like it's like if they want to like give the biggest like shout out to like a a, a toy or like the, the cannon from Hoth that they use to shoot the Falcon. Well, you know kept, what's like, funny? Name dropping I, it like. I, I saw that. I saw he called it a what you said an e webcam, yeah. whatever. I then went online and I started looking for the toy. The toy is called something else. So oh, is it really? It's not. Te- it's technically not that exact cannon, but it looks just it, like it, it looks exactly <laughs> like it. And, and, and the I toy is like a like a T twenty five blasting, repeating, blah blah blah. You know, it's just seems weird. He kept repeating. like, okay, this is my the new e web cannon. Did you hear about this e web cannon? Like, okay, I get it. Yeah, and you know, like it looks a lot like the one from the first yeah, episode, yeah. doesn't it? It's like just another big gun. <laughs> All right, whatever. Uh, so one of the, th- I mean, yeah, as he's as he's giving his speech, he and at one point he mentions something about uh, that that Dunn was an ex. Not only she was ex rebellion, but she was from Alderaan. Yeah, it meant that he mentioned at some point. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. Personal. You know, that, that's a good you know kind of chip on her shoulder to, to add on. And then he mentions the name Din Jared as it being Mandalorian's name. Yeah, like we his finally real get. Name. Yeah, we finally get his real name revealed. And he mentions something about the night of a thousand tears. So during this episode, we also get a lot of these flashbacks that we've been seeing throughout the other episodes, kind of coalescing into one more straight story of his parents hiding him. And right before they were going to kill him, you know, the super battle droids are about to kill him. The Mandalorians arrive. And that's kind of how a lot of this happened. You know, we get a little bit of that flashback that gets fleshed out later one of the things that is also mentioned here is i think he mentions that the man he says uh, mandalorian is not a race it's a creed because of the fact that he's not mandalorian he yeah. is adopted more or less you know it's basically whoever joins the that particular clan of mandalorian is a mandalorian now yeah yeah so that they, they, makes uh, things a little different yeah yeah i mean this is where the whole founding thing comes in where you know they, i guess they take these orphans in and they teach them the way apparently quote unquote. and as you as you watch these flashbacks the ones that land with the jetpacks they're all wearing blue uniforms and I think people have confirmed pretty much that the armband, the, the symbol, is the Death Watch symbol. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, wow, this is getting weird now. Now you're dealing with this weird, like, evil clan of Mandalorians that went completely crazy on the other show. And it's like, oh, wow. Well, it's funny. What I like about it is the fact that this, I, I think this is the biggest thing that they've crossed over from animation to now to live action. Yeah. This, this is pretty oh, yeah. like the, the the biggest thing they've ever ha- had, you know. That, yeah. Which is kind of cool. I, I, I no, really liked it. I know, I know. And they look just like, I mean, they, they made them look just like them. That's incredible how they did it. And it, it, it was very reminiscent of that other episode where all the Mandalorians come oh, to yeah. rescue him. 
it was you know that battle was and you know a lot of jetpacks a lot of jetpacks a lot of flying a lot of that kind of stuff uh we also then get ig11 who's coming back to join the rest of them and oh he just goes to town i love the scene where he's driving the the bike and he's just shooting them up like yeah. Like their toys in terms, it was just an incredible action sequence. I loved it even better than the the one where they're first finding the uh, the the asset, you know, where they're shooting him up, you know, one by one. Him riding that bike through the town, just yeah. hitting them all, it was well, fantastic. Well, well, what I liked about it is, is because when if when he first when he was first riding with, he had Baby Yoda on his on the front of him. So I was and like, I was like, how, how how are they going to like? <laughs> I get, they're just gonna shoot him, and then he like yeah. he does this like badass thing. He like turns oh. around, and uses himself as a shield, and then yeah, starts he shooting that more. robots. So, flip. Like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and then uh, you have a scene where. It's again, you have these little beats during the episode where it's like, oh my God, what are they going to do now? Because they bring out this, I guess we're all supposed to be scared, like a flamethrower trooper. Oh, yeah. He's wearing, he's got a red, he's, he's got red, he's, I, I forget, is it a shock trooper or a flame trooper yeah, or it's like whatever? Yeah, a flame trooper, yeah. He's, he's like the red markings all over his yeah, like, and mask. Yeah, so he kicks the door down and he starts throwing the fire and then the baby Yoda does the baby Yoda thing and that fire ends. gets, yeah, gets pushed back out into him and the, the whole tank explodes and that kind of slows things down a little bit more. In terms of okay, the good guys can rest a little and figure out what to do next. Uh, speaking of which, I, I, I want a black series figure of this guy, of <laughs> the flamethrower guy. Like, if oh, they the made, flamethrower? If, if they made, yeah, if they make a black series figure. I really hope they make uh, one. You'll probably get it because I mean, it's really a stormtrooper with yeah, with just a red, yeah, black and color red. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, you know me, I have my armor and everything, but it looks now, so cool. At this point, not only when the, the IG unit was riding through town shooting him up. But in the house, as he's protecting, he talks. He's talking about protecting the child, protecting, protecting, protecting. I start to get these Terminator Two vibes. Of this is the Terminator. This is the robot defending the mm. the the young child against anything that comes his way. Yeah, I see it. And then uh, they were able to uh, cut a hole, I think, or blow a hole into the thing so they can get into the sewer, so they can get out of there. And when they kind of reach. An area where I guess all the Mandos were living before they all got the hell out of there. They find this huge pile of helmets, and it's like, oh crap! That's what happened. They came and killed them all. Yeah, I, and and I think you even see like kid helmets too there too. So it's like, ooh, this is weird. Yeah, I wish we would have seen because like, like it, what sucks is like that's like the last we saw of them. So like, I wish we would have seen like a last. Like have them have like their last battle or something. Like that's it. Next scene, they're all. You a pile can get. Of a, you might get a flashback one day. You never know. Yeah, you maybe, might get a flashback. Yeah. And uh, he does, but he does reunite with the with the lady that, that lady Mando that the one that she was the building forger, the armor. Yeah, the, right. He's like just forging. And, yeah, and they talk about something having to do the Jedi versus the Mando. They have a history, you know, because the child has these powers. So they're trying to figure out exactly what he is. And she tells them that basically his mission now, his his whole goal is to reunite this child with the same of his kind that he's responsible for this child now that's his life and she gives him a new emblem you know because he i guess up to this point he never had one yeah he, he never yeah, he remember, never had a first, yeah i remember in, in the first episode he was reporting to get his signet but he he, he didn't he, he didn't kill the, that beast creature by himself. He had help with Baby Yoda, so she couldn't give him the signet then. But at this point, she does give him the signet, and it is the Mudhorn. They call yeah. it a Mudhorn, yeah, right. which is that creature that that uh, that he fought with. 
So right before leaving, because she doesn't want to leave, she wants to turn all the leftover armor into something, I guess. And it looks, it almost looked like to me like she was waiting to die, really, because you, you know the stormtroopers yeah, are coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, sure. she gives him one final uh, new weapon. Why don't you tell us what that is? Uh, well, she, she gives him the, uh, it's like this jetpack you know, yeah. thing that kind of like, it, it, it seemed like she's making it out to be like something really special. Like, oh, okay, you, you have to have trained and used this thing. It's very special. Right, because apparently he's never, he's never yeah, used but, it yet. He's never seen. He used it, like, so casually. Like, oh, okay, I guess it was, I guess it was just a normal jetpack. But, but they call it, like, the Rising Phoenix. Like, it's a, it's a very fancy name. I guess they had to name everything really cool stuff. But, uh, yeah, of it, course. Yeah, it was really neat, though. And they kind of get away from that area, and she stays behind, and some stormtroopers do come to kind of arrest her or kill her or something and she beats the crap out of all of them basically Uh, I don't know if she ever made it out of there but she was just using like a hammer like two hammers or something we see her die don't we no I don't think so I think she's waiting for them and then she beats the crap out of all of them (laughs) now in my opinion there's going to be another wave of them and another wave and another wave so I think she's dead but they don't show it again this could be one of these things where she can show up later yeah sure and we think she might be dead so they get to this point where they're they're still underground and it's like a lava river underground because there if you remember that planet there was a lot of lava flowing through the planet in certain areas and they get on this kind of like a boat and that has an R2 unit but it, the R2 unit is full of like like rocks and stuff because of the melting lava or something. Well, remember, like the R2 unit is really, like, I, I, it actually creeped me out. Like he stood up and had like these like really yeah, long all, arms. Yeah, all of a sudden. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden the, the rocks start to break and he kind of detaches himself yeah. from these rocks and he's got long arms and long legs. And I was like, what the hell is that? So he's kind of rowing. He's like a rowing kind of robot, I guess. So the plan is they have to get out, but they can see he can see through I guess like infrared vision. He can see that there's a ton of stormtroopers waiting for them outside of this river exit, this kind of tunnel exit. Uh, so the um, the IG eleven unit, he's like, okay, this is what I have to do. I'm gonna go out there and kill them all uh, so that the baby can live, basically. And and again, to me. This I was it was screaming Terminator too. This is the Terminator getting into the yeah. uh, into the molten into lava the, yeah, type yeah. of thing, the, the, and he's the walking. I know, I know, I <laughs> know. And uh, you know, he's he's walking, he's walking through the lava, and the more steps he takes, the lower he gets because he's starting to melt into the lava. But by the time he gets to the front, outside of the the entrance or the, or the exit of this tunnel. He detonates that thing that he wanted to detonate yeah, finally, on the first he, episode. Yeah, he pays off. Like, like, he's, he's been wanting to detonate this thing. <laughs> like, every, every time they yeah, see him. He's been threatening. <laughs> every 20 minutes, he wants to blow himself up. So he does blow himself up and killing all the uh, stormtroopers out there. So they're able to get out, you know, and, um, and escape. And that's where we think that's the end of it. But then they kind of see in the horizon, there's a TIE fighter coming towards them. And it's obviously Moff Gideon and his super duper TIE fighter. And he's shooting them up and shooting them up. And uh, at that point, you know, he puts on the, uh, the jet pack and he shoots himself up in the air. And with one of those wire things, he's able to grab the TIE fighter yep. and kind of fly behind it, kind of be dragged. So he pulls himself into it and he's able to put like a, a detonator bomb or something that blows up the TIE fighter and he's able to get out and 
and not crash, making that jetpack finally work like it should be working. And the guy crashes in the distance, and you think that's the end of the episode. But why don't you tell us how, how it really ends? Well, it really ends. Uh, to quote Clue, how it really <laughs> happens is, uh, is uh, yeah, so you, you see, you know, everyone, they part ways. And, right, it's, you know, it's the end of the episode, sort of, goodbye, goodbye. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Which I, I really hope they bring Cara Dune back to uh, in the next season. I, mm-hmm. I think they will. But um, at the end of the episode, we see the... The remains of the, of the chart, Tie Fighter, burnt out, yep. and uh, and you right away you know okay this guy he's he he's gonna come out of it and be okay uh-huh. or something. So that's uh, pretty normal, pretty normal fare. I, I wasn't expecting anything. It's else. a trope. It's then, been used before. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty, it's, pretty it's, popular it's the, trope. It's the Halloween trope. The guy you know <laughs> comes back to life. You know. And so, but we see something cut through the um, the armor of the the armor, the hull of the of the tie fighter. But we also see some like Jawas that are already trying to pick the thing apart. They're already trying to take parts. Oh, do, oh, do, do, oh I, I didn't even know. I yeah, that. yeah, there were a whole bunch of Jawas there. Let's <laughs> get touched then. Um, and when we see something cut through the the, the hull of the, yep. of the tie fighter, and it's like a, a black blade, and which is a, a, in in legends and in um, even current. Canon, which is Star Wars. Well, in Clone Wars, yeah, in Clone Wars, and also in Rebels, there's yeah. something called the Dark Saber, uh, which comes to plays very heavily into uh, Mandalorian culture. Which I figured they would do something with it, but I expected to be in the hands of the Imperials, basically. So I, yeah. I, I figured when we saw this thing, I, and I sort of figured because we're talking about Mandalorians here, I figured it would either show up or it would be referenced. But we see it in the hands of an Imperial. And mm-hmm. generally, most of the Mandalorians at this point have been pretty much wiped out or at least heavily, oppo- uh, you know, suppressed. Uh, so, yep. so, and and the fact that this this item, this dark saber, is sort of a symbol of Mandalorian unity, really. So, it's sort of implying that if the Imperials have it, and generally a Mandalorian wouldn't give it up, uh, you know, unless they fight to the death for it. Generally, it's implying that the Mandalorians have been pretty much wiped out at this point, or or at least. Uh, yeah. That the the leader of the factions have been Kevin killed off, so very interesting, and it just looks really cool. It has like this like shimmering <laughs> blade, shimmering black glow to it. It's really weird looking. Yeah, yeah, it, it looked weird in in an animated form. I remember it looked very yeah, different yeah. than anything else, and in live action it, looks, it looks also looks, very yeah, different. Yeah, definitely weird. So this uh, brings us to the end of, of the season, not only of uh, of these four episodes, but the entire season. It's only eight episodes, the, the entire season. I mean, and at first I remember I was a little concerned that the episodes were too short. I was trying to get used to that short format. But then after a while, it kind of kind of grew into into those uh, those those time limits. Yeah, you know, I did too, because I, I had like for you know, the weeks that it was on, I sort of had a routine going. I'd wake up, I'd, I'd, I'd go for a run, and then I'd come back in and watch Mandalorian while I'm working. So it was, it was, oh. it was really great. I, it was really fun. And I like how they were, they were so very short. I can, like, you know, you know, have breakfast, basically, while watching it while I'm working. So it was really... I liked the time limit. I liked the fact that they were shorter, not bite size, not a lot of need to, you know, 
fluff, even though you can say that maybe the first, the middle episodes were kind of fluffy, yeah. fillery, but... Well, the not a lot is confirmed, obviously, yet. I mean, we know there's more seasons coming, at least another one, that's definitely, for yeah, sure. Yeah, there's, there's one definitely And uh, the only thing I also know is that apparently Carl Weathers is going to be directing at oh, least yeah. an episode from the next one, because he's already been confirmed. Huh. And uh, Moff Gideon is going to come back, and, and I think it's he's going to be a central character, at least in the second, or at least part of the second season, in terms of the, the the kind of tease that we just got in this last episode. There is also rumors of possibly. I mean, I know that they right off the bat, some people were saying, "Well, maybe they can turn this into a movie. Maybe they can turn this into a standalone film." You know, I was like, "Okay, well, give it, let it breathe. Everybody, relax." Yeah. The other thing that I'm, I am looking forward to, and and we've already seen some things is merchandising. I mean. Uh, the whole issue with the baby Yoda not being merchandisable because they wanted to keep it a secret in another, what, two months now, I think we're going to be starting to see a lot of plastic Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> show up in the stores. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, and, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty, in fact, I, I saw pre-orders for baby oh, Yoda. Um, yeah, all different sizes, yeah. all different kinds and figures. Hell, I've seen pictures of three and three quarter uh, versions, I think Hasbro versions of the Mandalorian, Cara Dunn. And I think the Sand Trooper. Okay. Uh, I believe those three have already been uh, pictures have already leaked of of the the carded figures. So, I mean, hell, this this could be a huge line if they wanted to. I don't know if they want to. It's a little weird in terms of how these things are marketed because, for example, usually when a movie comes out, they will have a line of toys, a line of action figures at least, that are exclusively designed, you know, the card backs are designed for that movie. Oh, yeah, so you'll yeah. have, like, the Force Awakens carded figures. Yep. Well, and, and I think, I'm pretty sure we had uh, Force Awakens, we had Solo, we had Rogue One, we had Last Jedi, but for this last film, The Rise of Skywalker, for whatever reason, they decided to card the Rise of Skywalker figures on vintage cards. They're not giving Rise of Skywalker their own designated line of cards. Yep. So, I don't know. That's a little troubling. I mean, that's to me, that shows a little bit of not confidence in the line that they have to kind of disguise it as something vintage to kind of get people, oh, vintage, vintage, I must buy vintage. Yeah. You know, so I'm wondering, you know, if that's a new trend for Star Wars as a whole or that's something that was just applicable to that. We sort of had a hint of this with Solo because if you notice the Solo line of figures, like they, they did have the, you're right, they did have the card, the carded, but it was the yellow, yeah, yeah it was but that it, yellow. It, it was a very limited amount of figures, and it wasn't that many. And and there's something off about them that it, it, it didn't seem like a normal, you know, standard line of figures for the for Solo. And then we got to Rise of Skywalker where there just there was none. There was there's no main line of Star Wars figures. Nope. Um, no, they had the no. Black Series, which I love. That's my personal favorite. But um, there's no main standard Fendi quarter. So, yeah, I really hope that, I mean, it's the last movie, but still, I hope that, you know, we can at least get these more standardized, you know, normal main lines again. Because it feels, it feels weird having, you know, no actual main Star Wars figures. The Fendi quarter versions. When you go into the, we go to the toy aisle, usually you would see them. There's just nothing there. And unfortunately, from what I'm seeing... It looks to me like the Mandalorian is also going to be on a vintage card back. Yeah. I have a feeling they are abandoning, or at least they're taking a break from the specifically line art 
you know, specific movie line. Because what I'm looking at here is just like a vintage one, with the, even with the Kenner logo in the bottom to make you think it's vintagey. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm a fan of, of original carded stuff. I like the art that they use. I like how it differentiates itself from all the yeah. other lines. I like how it belongs to a certain group. But to kind of throw it into vintage, I only want to see vintage Yeah, with vintage. Like, I don't want to see a modern figure with yeah, a vintage to me, card. Yeah, to me, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not... I'm not too wrapped up in it, I got, it isn't really, it isn't really, it's not like offensive to me or anything, but it, it just feels kind of weird, like, this didn't exist when this, car, I, I can see, you, you know, you repackaging, you know, older, you know, or using the older figures for it that actually had vintage backs on them at one point. Well, it, I mean, again, the only purpose for, as far as I'm concerned, is to tug at your, at the heartstrings of, strings, of, of vintage collectors. Like uh, yeah, well, the purse, yeah, no kidding to give you that vintagey feeling it's a, it's again it's another form of fan service if you will it's trying to get you to do something without really yeah. giving it to you the figures look pretty good and, and yeah i mean I'm, there's gonna be i mean if you just think about this tie fighter i mean oh, good lord man, somebody's I, gonna make it somebody's gonna I, produce it and, and start selling it i would love to have a, box, would have a, a box set of the tie fighter with the folding wing action <laughs> definitely with a, with a with a thin quarter moth gideon but if you think about it, I mean, because this is a television show, there's so many characters that, that potentially could be turned... The, the amount of characters they could turn into action figures yeah. is ridiculous. I mean, aside from the main characters, every episode has at least maybe four or five uh, characters that could make. Episode six the heist. That introduces a bunch of aliens that all can be, you know, you can have like a like a four-pack box set of all of them, of the whole crew there. Uh, or essential. could you imagine the, the Mandalorian ship uh, for a three yeah, and three-quarter yeah. size? That thing would be big. I mean, Jesus, that would be huge. But yeah, I mean, that's going to be coming. You know, it's like I said, we know it's coming. We've seen the pictures. They're out there already. And at this point, it's just a matter of waiting for more uh, yep. of the show to come. Uh, they they got to keep pumping out. Coming up next, we have Clone Wars, the final season, you know, the secret super extra season, whatever they want to call it. I have to get myself more pumped up for that because right now I'm like, I'm definitely watching it, but it's just like, I'm like, uh, okay, all right, sure. I have to get back in that mindset, I guess, of that Clone Wars era, you know, Sokotana. I, I, I might have to rewatch a few episodes just to, just to get myself back in. Well, the, the thing is that, you know, Rebels finished and Resistance is about to finish and Resistance really wasn't, as far as I'm concerned, to the level of Clone yeah. Wars or even Rebels. It was one notch below. It was it was more kiddie-ish than anything else. But they did try to infuse some canon seriousness every now and then. But, eh, they're going for these shorter seasons now with these other animated shows. I, mean, I, know, that's the, I know that's the Disney formula. They don't like to go, you know, four, five, six, seven seasons of anything animated. But because they have Disney Plus now, you know, I'm sure they're going to have to give us some kind of Star Wars-y thing pretty regularly. They're going to have to feed us some kind of Star to, yeah, Wars. Yeah, let's say they have to get the IV drip going. Right, so. right. And, and they have to kind of pace themselves. They don't want to go crazy and, and overlap too much. Uh, now, after Clone Wars, what do we get? I don't know. I mean, the Obi-Wan series seems to be uh, way in the horizon, way, way in the horizon. The Cassian Andor series, I guess maybe that's what might be next. I don't know. I, honestly, I think Obi-Wan might be, uh, we might get that before Cassian maybe. Because I'm not I, sure. just, I just heard something. I mean, one of the rumors going around is that Obi-Wan is being uh, not scrapped, but oh, no, uh, no. delayed slightly because they want to rewrite the episodes and turn them into like 90 minute episodes yeah. to, to make them more into like these little these little movies almost 
for a total of like four episodes. I don't think it's going to be like this, you know, eight episodes, eight short episodes. I think they want to make them four long episodes instead. So they want to, I read something about that. They don't want to make it look like the format of The Mandalorian. They wanted to give it its own identity. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that. Which I don't know. And with Cassian Andor, I could have swore they were about to announce their shooting schedule and stuff like that already. So oh, really? okay. I think uh, Andor is going to go faster than, than, than Obi-Wan. But uh, at some point, they got to announce more animated shows. I mean, they, they yeah, always I, have something animated. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was sort of surprised that Resistance ended, but that's it. Like, there was no, like, follow-up. You know, right. I, I can imagine that because these shows take so long to make. I can really imagine that there's probably something in the works, like literally right mm-hmm. now, but they just haven't, you know, they haven't announced it yet. So we might hear something, maybe, um, maybe in the springtime, maybe we might hear something that they're they're coming up with a new animated series. Right, and and I imagine that Disney Plus as a whole uh, doesn't just think about Star Wars in terms oh. of how are we going to give yeah. you Star Wars for a full year. No, they're probably thinking, okay, we go Star Wars crazy, now let's go Marvel crazy, yeah, and now yeah. let's go this, you know, like take turns, spread it around, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But anyway, this has been great. I really enjoyed uh, going over these episodes, and and you know, whenever you have a new show that pops out of nowhere that it's actually good. It's like, wow, that you don't have to kind of bend yourself into a pretzel trying to defend. (laughs) (laughs) It's really unusual, especially with Star Wars lately, where there's so much... So much negativity and so much discourse in terms of uh, even talking about it. Yeah, this is the one Um, show that it it seemed like it sort of brought the fan base together, you know, at least least temporarily to say, like, okay, yeah, we can all settle. This is actually a pretty good show. I could imagine how how this kind of a show would take a bigger lead when it comes to, like, celebration and conventions and stuff like that, where because the movies are technically over, the trilogies are over, they can kind of take a back seat and let some of this stuff take the front seat right you know promote those actors more than the movie actors because the movie actors are okay we're done let's leave them alone now let them go to wherever they go next and you know again by this summer i believe it's california i think it's anaheim again celebration they're gonna have to start telling us what comes next and they're gonna have to start showing us something so i imagine at least we'll start getting some Behind the scenes of Andor Cassian series, maybe some preliminary stuff, maybe an animated show, something. I'm sure Mandalorian, because I have a feeling they, I, th- I could have swore I heard they want to continue this next year pretty much around the same time. Yeah, yeah, so yeah I think so. They got to start cranking these out. So, anyway, once again, thank you, Steve, for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. This, this is a fun one. I'm, I'm really happy the way this turned out. I was, I had my fingers crossed that. This wouldn't be like another big fan divisive thing, but I think we landed a, a winner here. So I'm happy to talk about it. I still think that uh, Disney Plus should get the rights uh, to put all the Ewok movies and the droid cartoons and the holiday special. All the things they're ashamed of, they should put them all anyway. <laughs> what the hell? Let the fans, uh, you know, when they don't appreciate something, you can say, well, why don't you watch this? And then you'll really appreciate that. <laughs> All right, I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. We went through the second part of Mandalorian, season one. Man, was this a good show. And talk about this now becoming one of the most eagerly awaited returns. (laughs) We're already in 2020, and from what I understand, the show is coming back in about eight months. (laughs) Believe it or not, 
This is going to be back, I believe, in October of this year. So, hey, I'll take it. You know, they got to spread out all this Star Wars content. And I think so far for Disney Plus, this is exactly what they wanted. You know, not only do they have a good show, the fan reaction is pretty much where they probably want it to be. Unexpected, you know, breakout characters, especially the, the baby Yoda character, the assets or the child. We have most likely the return of certain characters that were introduced. Wow, talk about a complete home run, you know, for Lucasfilm. No wonder they're... Uh, interviews now with Bob Iger saying how they want to focus more <laughs> on television. <laughs> no kidding. When something is done right, everybody, you know, changes their plans and, you know, starts driving in that direction. Uh, there are even rumors of spinning off certain characters of The Mandalorian into their own shows now. So we'll see. We'll see which way they go with this, but can't wait to return, you know, to the topic of The Mandalorian. So, on behalf of everybody here, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Steve, for participating in today's show. And we will see you guys soon here at GeekFest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2020. <laughs>